today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. I think about Jacob. We're told he wrestled with the Lord all night long. (laughs) Demanding that God bless him. And God says, I can't bless you until I break you. The blessing will never come before the breaking. You want me to bless you? You're too strong. You're too hard. I've got to break you before I can bless you. The breaking always precedes the blessing. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. Is there a wall around your heart that nothing can penetrate? In today's message, Pastor J.D. teaches us that God breaks us before he blesses us. Like Jacob wrestling with God, we too sometimes wrestle with God. Eventually, we're exhausted and give in to him. Let's remember our surrender brings God's blessings. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 65 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Verse 17. For behold, ah, this is, thank God for verse 17 on through the rest of the chapter. And this is what I mean by the after before. God will take our prayers and take us further beyond our prayers to what awaits. What awaits? Verse 17, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. That answers a question that I'm asked often. When we're in heaven, are we going to remember anything? (laughs) I hope not. That wouldn't be heaven. I love what John says. He says, we're going to know no man after the flesh. You're not going to remember me. Now, that does not mean, and this is another question, are we going to know each other in heaven? Yes, but we're not going to remember what we were like on earth? No. I like how one pastor answered the question. I'm just quoting the pastor, so don't get weird on me. He said, we're not going to be more stupid in heaven. No, again, that was a quote from another. <laughs> what we're going to get? What do we need name tags in heaven? No. In fact, this is a question I've had, and I think I've got my answer because in glory we're going to know that's Noah. That's Moses. No way. Way. Where's Paul? Oh, he's over there. Paul. No way. We're going to know. But we're not going to know each other in heaven as we knew each other on earth. And praise the Lord for that. The former shall not be remembered or come to mind. Now why would God answer the prayer of chapters 63 and 64 by saying this? Because This is the goodness of God, the goodness of God. This is what you have to look forward to. Be encouraged. You know what? 
<laughs> I'm going to create new heavens. How about that? And a new earth. Now, we need that. <laughs> Forget global warming and climate change and, you know, you can't even buy styrofoam anymore because it's not environmentally friendly. It's like, <laughs> we're getting a new earth. I'm going to create the new heavens. And the, he's talking about eternity future. Don't get too discombobulated here, because in verse 17, he's talking about the new heavens and the new earth, but he's about to turn a corner, a sharp corner. Don't get whiplash, because we're going to then go to the millennium, the kingdom age because we have that to look forward to as well. So verse 17, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. But, verse 18, be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing. This is the new Jerusalem and her people a joy. I will rejoice, verse 19, in Jerusalem, and joy in my people. And, oh, I love this one, the voice of weeping shall no longer be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. Oh, I can't wait for the new heavens, the new Jerusalem, the new earth for all eternity. This is really, if you think about it, the ultimate answer to man's prayer concerning man's sin. And it comes by way of the new heavens and the new earth after the millennium. Again, God answers our prayers with the after before. Because when we know what we have to look forward to, it makes whatever we're going through easier to get through because I know I have this to look forward to. I hope you got that, because I cannot say that again. Verse 20, now we're turning a sharp corner. Buckle your seatbelts. We're going from the new heavens and the new earth to the kingdom age. Listen to this description. Would to God that we had a better grasp of that 1,000 literal years on earth ruling and reigning with Him, seated with Him on the throne for a thousand years, a thousand years, in our glorified bodies, His bride by His side for a thousand years. Eternity, the new heavens and the new earth, not yet. A thousand years, and it's going to fly by. Oh, how time flies when you're having fun. And this looks like a lot of fun, because it's going to be. Verse 20, no more shall an infant from there live but a few days, nor an old man who is not fulfilled his days, for the child shall die 100 years old. Oh, they were just a kid. Wait, <laughs> okay, stop. I already have whiplash. You haven't even gotten to the ver verse 21. You mean people are going to die in the millennium? What? Yeah, let me explain. And I'll do my best here with the help of the Holy Spirit. Okay. 
they're going to be those in the millennium that will have bodies to be able to procreate and have children like did Adam and Eve. And the earth will be like it was before sin entered the world. Now, how are people going to enter the millennium in their bodies like Adam and Eve? And if a person dies at a hundred years old, they'll be considered a child. Because there's going to be people that are going to make it through somehow the seven-year tribulation and are alive at the time of the second coming at the end of the tribulation. As we just studied in Hebrews, it is appointed unto men once to die, and then the judgment. Well, they never saw death. They somehow lived outside the Antichrist system, and were able to survive in the seven-year tribulation. And at the end of the seven-year tribulation, at the second coming, they will enter this millennial age, this kingdom age for 1,000 years, and the earth again will be like it was, as we're going to read now, before sin entered the world. When God told Adam, in the day that you eat of this tree, you will surely die. Well, he didn't die that same day. Yes, he did. Because a thousand years to us is like one day to the Lord. He died at 930 years of age. That was like one day in that day, 1,000 years. This is a 1,000 year period of time. It is the final, ah, how do I say this, 7,000th year I hope that made sense. Six thousand years. Seven, the number of completion. It completes seven. That one thousand years is the final seven, and it's complete, the millennium, for one thousand years. Oh, I wish we knew more about this period of time. I can't wait. I mean, this is like the precursor to the new heavens and the new earth. And these children that are born during the millennium, these people that enter the millennium, they'll be able to have children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren for 1,000 years. But there will still be death. That's not heaven, because in heaven there's no more death. But in the millennium there is. And there's also going to be sin. Wait, what? <laughs> Not for us. I, I've been asked this question before. I've asked this question before, I have to be honest. So in the millennium, and even in heaven, is this still going to be possible for us to, like, sin? No. We're going to have our glorified bodies. We will be like Him. There will be no more sin, no more sorrow, no more death. But during the millennium, the sinner, being 100 years old, shall be accursed. Verse 21, they shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. 
For as the days of a tree, so shall be the days of my people, and my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. You know, trees, you know, you've seen those trees. That tree's uh, 800 years old. Wow. Well, that's what he's saying. Their lives will be like the lifespan of a tree. That's how long people are going to live. This is 1,000 years. They shall not labor in vain, verse 23, nor bring forth children for trouble. That sounds good right now. (laughs) Sorry. For they shall be the descendants of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. It shall come to pass, verse 24, that before they call, I will answer. Wow! Talk about answered prayer. Before you pray it, done. Whoa! I like that. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. And verse 25 is actually oftentimes referred to and somewhat well known. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. I want to see that. You will. You will. Some translations say the lion and the lamb, the wolf and the lamb. They're going to like, you know, be next to each other. Uh, You put a lion next to a lamb or a wolf next to a lamb today, you got lamb chops. I'm just saying, right? But not in the millennium. Wow, this sounds like it's going to be great. It is. And you know why? Because there's no devil there. I'm going somewhere with this. Before we end the Bible study, I think it's important that we understand something here. Satan has now been cast with chains into the bottomless pit. So he's not there to tempt. That's why it's going to be like this. Satan's not going to be there. What's the point? Think about this. Satan is responsible for all that we see in the world today. I think we do err greatly when we make light of Ephesians 6, when the Apostle Paul, by the Spirit, says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle, wrestle, by the way, changes the whole complexion of it. It's not, we don't fight or battle, it's wrestle. If any of you know anything about wrestling, it is exhausting. It involves every part of your body. I think about Jacob. We're told he wrestled with the Lord all night long. (laughs) Demanding that God bless him, and God says, I can't bless you until I break you. The blessing will never come before the breaking. You want me to bless you? You're too strong. You're too hard. I've got to break you before I can bless you. The breaking always precedes 
the blessing. Satan is the one that we wrestle against. And actually it's more specific in Ephesians 6 because Paul delineates between four hierarchies and entities in the spiritual realm. Uh, Where are the demons during the millennium? They're not there. Aloha. (laughs) Satan, he's not there. And that explains in large part in concert with the enforced righteousness and rule and reign. And by the way, we, how oh, this is good, this gets even more interesting. I tried to leave myself enough time. Just bear with me. Um, we will be given the responsibility of ruling and reigning with Christ during the millennium for 1,000 years based on what we did here and now on earth. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. In other words, what we're given in the millennium, and really this bears out for all of eternity, we lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy, and the IRS, I mean the thief cannot break in and steal. (laughs) So we're going to have different rewards and crowns and treasures in heaven based on what we did here on earth. And if I've been found faithful in a little, I'll be entrusted with much. I want to be found faithful, good and faithful servant, because I'm asking God for the islands during the millennium. To, if you've asked, I'm sorry, but I already got there first. <laughs> we will be given that charge based on our faithfulness during that 1,000 years. It's, I guess you could say it's an enforced righteousness. So Satan's not there, and we rule and reign with Christ in the kingdom age, because he's now on the throne, ruling and reigning. But there's still unrighteousness to rule and reign over. There's still righteousness to enforce during that 1,000 years. But there's no Satan there. So again, getting back to my point, we'll bring it to a close. Please think this through with me. All that we're experiencing in the world today is because of the devil. Well, wait a minute, Pastor. I thought we had the flesh and the world and the devil, the big three. We do. But Satan is like the magnet that pulls the steel of sin up to him and brings it out. It's not a sin to be tempted, but it's a sin when you're enticed and you give in to the temptation. There's a conception. If it was a sin to be tempted, Jesus would tempt it, but he didn't sin, so that can't work. It's not a sin to be tempted. The sin is when you give in to that temptation. So for 1,000 years, there's no devil to tempt. Right there, that alone explains everything. If that's what it's going to be like during the 1,000 years in the millennium, well, that also kind of fills in some blanks for what's going on right now.
because he's not in that bottomless pit yet. Uh, One last thing. This is something that is an issue for Christians because we go to either extreme and both are unbiblical because on one extreme we make the devil more powerful than he is. And then on the other extreme we are dismissive of how powerful Satan is. Remember now, Satan is not the opposite of God. Satan is not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful. Satan is not omnipresent. He's not everywhere at the same time. Which, by the way, the next time you say, man, the devil was beating me up this week. The devil himself? Oh, how do you rate? Because he can only be in one place at at a time. No, he's got his minions, his demons, these principalities, these powers of darkness, the wickedness in high places, these demonic forces, they're the ones. (laughs) It's not the devil. If the devil is is on you, stay away from me. (laughs) That's all I can say, because the devil, right? He's not, he's not the opposite of God. We do err on either extreme. He's not that powerful. He's not God's opposite, and He wants us to do one or the other. He loves it when we fancy Him as being so powerful. He's not. But He also loves it when we are dismissive and, you know, this little red guy with the tights and the pitchfork and the horns. (laughs) Yeah, He likes that too, because then He's got you. But He is the one whom we wrestle with. And this explains why it is that for 1,000 years it's going to be like this. Absent Satan, present Christ, ruling and reigning? Makes sense to me. It also explains to me why the world is the way it is. By the way, Satan still has control over this world, this earth. He is the devil who still has the power over this earth. Now Jesus, and it's in the book of Revelation, I should have never gone into this, but there's this point recorded in the book of Revelation where there's this lamenting and crying out, who is worthy to open the scroll? What's the scroll, the title deed to the earth? It was redeemed by Jesus from Satan. That's a whole other thing for a whole other time. We'll bring it to a close. Ah, This is a a very, very, very interesting chapter, I got to say. So much, just so much. And again, it goes back to how we started. This was God's answer to their prayer. And what's God's answer? Sum it up this way. Oh, if you only knew what's coming, it's going to put it all into perspective. Yeah, but Lord, ah, new heavens, new earth. Okay. Yeah, but ah, the millennium. The lion, the lamb, they're going to be eating poke together (laughs) instead of each other. (laughs) Okay, that's a little bit much. 
We are so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Isaiah is an interesting one, as the prophet Isaiah spoke things that God wanted the people of Israel to hear, but they just wouldn't listen. Little did they know that much of what Isaiah spoke had bigger significance than they could have imagined. From beginning to end, the book of Isaiah touches on Jesus Christ coming later on. It refers to the announcement of his coming, his birth, his good news of salvation, his death, and his return to claim his own. Wow, what an incredible insight into the future. Sometimes things are plain right before our eyes, and we just aren't willing to see it for what it is. Although the people were ignorant in that present time, God used Isaiah to speak to them anyway and to proclaim the good news that was to come. Do you know of this good news? If not, we'd like you to check out calvarychapelkaneohe.com and head over to the resources page. There you'll find the ABCs of salvation, which goes into a step-by-step understanding the good news of Jesus. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join us on Sundays or Thursdays at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word and to look for more things God wants to teach you in this book of Isaiah. Looking forward to next time here on In Spirit and Truth.